Heavenly Father, we just bow before you. Lord, I want to pray, God Almighty, for a very dear man, a dear friend of mine, baby at the Jean's Hospital at the moment. Lord, I pray for David as he's in intensive care, Lord, over in you. Pray, God, that your hand of blessing will be upon him. That you will raise him back up, oh God. We believe with all our hearts, Lord, that you will strengthen his weak body. That you will bring him out, Lord, from hospital. Father, we just want to raise that man up before you and call his name before you, Lord. That you will bless David. And that you will strengthen him. Father, today, Lord, as we open your word, Father, again we pray that you might speak. We might hear your voice, and that your name will be honored. Lord, even in the weaknesses of your servants today, Lord, we pray, God, that your strength, and only your strength, will be seen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this message, The Dying King, which is a, a strange title, really, because... Um, when you think of a king dying, you normally think of a, of a king with splendor and, and, and majesty around him. I was reading um, a bit of history this week, and, and Alexander the Great, it took about seven or eight days before Alexander actually died. But when he died, or during that week, he was being carried from his sickbed to the temple every single day. And when he died, he had his commanding officers all standing around him. When we think of the funeral of uh, Princess Diana, some of us remember the, uh, the great pomp and glamour that was around that funeral. Amazing! Even the king of pop, Michael Jackson, when he died, tens of thousands of people all around the world was looking on. But when this king dies, he dies as a criminal. He dies alone. He dies naked. No one around. No great pop or glamour. He's on his own on the cross. So the king of creation dies in shame. You know, heaven, heaven must have been silent when Jesus died. The angels must have stopped singing when Jesus died. The whole of creation must have stood still when Christ breathed his last. It's not surprising then that we read these words around the cross. Look what it says around the cross. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. <coughs> My version here says, at the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land. There was darkness. It wasn't an eclipse. It wasn't a, a, a something that taking place in the, in the, in the heavens. No. There was a supernatural, strange darkness 
taken over the whole land. I want to talk to you about this darkness this morning. I want to suggest three reasons. There's only a suggestion about this darkness. First of all, I want to say this. Jesus Christ said of himself, so the power of the first heading, the power of darkness. Jesus Christ says of himself, um, Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Well, the Father to me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus also turns around and says, I've come into the world as a light. So no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. <clears throat> the very fact that Jesus Christ came into the world as a light. He said himself, I am the light of the world. What was happening on the cross? Let me tell you what was happening. That light was being extinguished. That light was being put out. You know, in the Old Testament, we read these words. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. You know, wickedness and evil and sin. What was said in that day was true of Jesus' day. But the light that came into the world was now being put out. The light that was coming into the world was now being extinguished. And instead of light, there was going to be darkness. And around that cross, around that cross, Three hours. It's darkness. Can you just see Christ on that cross, the light of the world, beaten, bruised, crucified, and now dying? That light that has come in to the world now is being put out. Not surprising that there was darkness around the cross. You know what the Bible tells me? The Bible tells me this. That this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light. Why? Because the deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that the deeds will be exposed. You know, we still live in a day where men hate the light. We live in a day when men and women love the darkness. And the Bible tells me why they love the darkness. They love the darkness because the deeds are evil. That's why they love the darkness. And we still live in a day where darkness still has an authority and a reign in our society. Because men love darkness rather than light. You know, when Jesus was on that cross, the men around that cross, they wanted him dead. 
They loved the darkness. And so darkness was around the cross. My second suggestion, I believe, that darkness was around the cross, the reign of darkness. Listen to Jesus, what he said before he was arrested. Listen to what he says. Then Jesus said to the chief priest, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who have come, to come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. Here it is. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. This is your hour where darkness reigns. You know, ultimately behind the chief priests, behind the Romans, behind the, um, the elders, behind all of them was a darker power. Behind all of them was something far more sinister. So that when we read that darkness came over the whole world, Jesus was not doing battle with the Romans. He was not fighting the Jews. He was not fighting the chief priests and the elders. He was not fighting those who handed the nails into his hands. That was not the battle. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus was fighting principalities and powers. He was fighting rulers of this dark world. He was fighting spiritual wickedness in high places. That is whom he was fighting. Not men, but demonic spirits, darkness. And I believe with all my heart that the reason why darkness surrounded that cross was because Satan himself thought he had a victory over the dying Jesus. <coughs> I want you to know this morning that all wickedness, all sin, ultimately, is directed at God. Sadly, over in Fabian Boyce, I heard the other month that a man murdered his wife in Fabian Boyce, just around the corner from here. And you know, when someone takes another person's life, Maybe over in Wolverhampton or Leytonstone, we have connections with Gans uh, Unite, and there's young men with, with knives, and they're taking one another's lives. Only a small blade takes, to a long blade, a small blade can take somebody's life. And when you take that person's life, you take away the opportunity of ever hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, when somebody is abused, whether it's mentally or physically or sexually abused, what is happening is that they are created in the image of God. And that image is being marred. And every wickedness from the, from the devil, every sin, is aimed directly at God. Because man is created in his image. And so, darkness surrounds the cross because 
Wickedness was reigning. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus says, and this is why I want to give you hope this morning. Jesus says, you only have an hour. I want to give you hope this morning. Jesus turns around and just go back to that, to that verse. <coughs> but this is your hour. I'm going to put a time limit on the darkness. I'm going to put a time limit on the wickedness. You're not going to have a day. You're not going to have a month. I'm going to give you an hour where you can reign. And Jesus placed an hour. He gives a time limit on wickedness. Praise be to God. Most of you know that Kim and I faced the deepest and the darkest hour six months ago. But the Bible turned around and reassured us that weeping endures for a night. But joy comes An hour. You're not going to get wickedness. You're going to have a time. It's going to be limited. It's going to be a night time maybe. It might be a, a, a short time. But I'm going to put a limit on you. You only get an hour. I love what he says in Psalm 126. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I want to tell you, even though the darkness surrounds, there's joy coming. May I give you hope this morning? Oh, I wish I could preach Oh, how we have been preaching that family who are weeping this morning. Because the Lord God himself says, even though you might weep, wickedness, you have a limited time. Joy is coming. So darkness surrounds that cross. Jesus said, that is the hour, you only get a limited time with darkness range, and there it was. But thirdly, can I suggest something else about this darkness? <clears throat> Cover of darkness. <laughs> darkness covered the land, it says. You know, you wouldn't want to see the face of Jesus on that cross. I'm sure it was a mercy that darkness covered the land. But the Bible tells me in Isaiah 22, just as there were many who were appalled at him, speaking about Jesus, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. Let me stop right here. The prophet says, looking 700 years into the future, the prophet writes about the cross of Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit, he revealed that the appearance of Jesus Christ was going to be disfigured that his form 
were going to be marred beyond human likeness. You know, many people are born with disfigured faces. Sometimes it's due to the mother using alcohol or drugs during a pregnancy. Currently, there's a virus from a mosquito bite called Zika. Once that mosquito, mosquito, mosquito bite bites you during pregnancy, the baby is born with a deformed head and a deformed face. But the Bible tells me that Jesus had no seeker bites. The Bible tells me he wasn't born before. No, the Bible tells me that while he was on the cross, his face changed. The Bible tells me that while he was on the cross, his appearance became disfigured. The Bible tells me that while he was on his cross, his form was marred beyond human likeness. In other words, he was in so much pain, he no longer looked human. And that was not the cross that stood it, but there's two other criminals who were crucified with him. They, they were the same as they went on that cross. But Jesus was taking upon himself something else. Jesus was taking upon himself, and I want you to hear me this morning, he was taking upon himself your sin and mine. He was taking upon himself the sin of the world, the past sins, the present sins, and all the future sins was laid upon him on that day. And it was so painful that the Bible said his face was changed and marred beyond human likeness. Oh, praise the Lord for taking my sin. Usually praising the Lord for taking your sin, because if he didn't take your sin, you will have to take it yourself. If he didn't drink that cup, then you will have to drink it yourself. If he didn't die in your stead, then you have to die yourself. But Jesus takes it all upon himself. And the Bible says that his face was marked, his body, his form, beyond human likeness. Wonder of wonders. And the whole area was covered in darkness because that's a sight of no one, no one should see. No one should see. So maybe it was a mercy that darkness covered the land. The fourth thing I want to say is about the victor of darkness. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was a son of God. There was a cry that Jesus gave. The curses in the temple 
That curtain separated man from God. That curtain was there so that the people, the common people, had to stay on one side of that curtain and they were not allowed to come into the presence of God. It was only a symbol of what was going on in heaven, but it was there in the temple that man cannot enter into the presence of God. But when Jesus died, that curtain was torn to top to bottom. The way was open for ordinary man, ordinary woman, to come into the very presence of God. I don't need to go to a priest. I don't need to go to a father. The father forgive me and, and, and confess my sins. I don't need to go to a man. I can go straight to Christ, straight to God himself. The way has been opened. But I want to concentrate on the last point on this centurion, this Roman soldier, before I close. I want you to notice where three things. I want you to notice, first of all, where this Roman soldier was standing. The Bible tells me that when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus, he had a front row seat of the crucifixion. Even though darkness covered the land, here was a man that was standing right close up to the cross. No one else was as close as he was, and he was standing at the front of Jesus. He must have seen the face of Christ. He must have seen the agony of Christ. He was right up close. The second thing I want you to notice about this Roman centurion, he heard the cry of Jesus. There was a number of cries that came from the cross. <coughs> and the cry that is mentioned here was probably the cry that we heard in Luke chapter 23. What was the cry? Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Jesus called out. Do you know how hard it is to speak on the cross? The men on the cross, they can't speak very well because they're being suffocated while they're on the cross. But Jesus used all of his strength, the Bible tells me. And with a loud voice, I don't know how loud it was, but Jesus had a loud voice. You think I'm loud? I've got amplification. With a loud voice, Father, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he said that, a curtain was torn in two. Signifying the way had been opened. This Centurion, this man, 
the words of Christ. And finally, this man, the centurion, the Bible says he saw how he died. You know, men do not die like the way Jesus died across. They linger the days. They linger on the days. They don't just die quickly. But this man saw how Jesus died. And the Bible says that he gave up his spirit. And it was his will to say, that's it, I'm giving up my spirit. The Bible says that he breathed his last as if he said, this is going to be my last breath. Listen to Jesus before he dies. Listen to what he says. He says this. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I'm laying down my life. No one will take it from me. No, I'm going to decide the one when I will give up my spirit. I lay down my life on my own accord. Jesus died like no other man died. The Roman centurion saw this and he was affected by it and he cried out, surely, surely, Surely this man was the Son of God. My prayer for you this Easter, my prayer for everyone who hears the gospel at Easter, my prayer is this, that by the Holy Spirit, God will give you a clear view of the cross of Jesus Christ. He will bring you up close. So you don't look at the cross from a distance, but no, you, by the Spirit of God, He brings you up close to the cross, and you can see the very face of Christ in agony and in pain for you and for me. That's my prayer, that you can have a vision of the cross of Jesus Christ, just like the Roman soldier had. He was up close. My prayer that you will come a bit closer this Easter to the cross of Jesus. My prayer for you this morning, this Easter, is that you may hear the words of Christ. You may hear the cry of Christ, just like the Roman soldier, he heard the cry of Christ. But my prayer is that you will hear the words of Christ. Not only the words he may say on the cross, but the words in the Bible when he says, come to me. Come, come, he says. Come to me, all you who are weary. All you who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come, come to me. Come without money and buy. Come to me. May you hear his words, his cry, this Easter. Just like this Roman soldier heard his cry. But finally, my prayer for you this Easter is that you may see not only how Jesus died, but why. Why? Why did he die? Why was it necessary 
for him to die. That the Holy Spirit will give you an understanding and a revelation of why Jesus died. Because when you understand why, you will understand that this dying king, this one who the Roman centurion looked up and said, surely, surely, this man is an ordinary man. He wasn't a criminal. This man was the Son of God. If you can say that with him, then your response will be like John on the island of Amos. John, he knew Jesus was the Son of God. And when he saw him, when I saw him, he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me, this is Jesus, and he says, do not be afraid, hallelujah. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. <laughs> Praise be to God. And now behold, I am alive forevermore. That is the response that every man and woman needs to have when they come to Christ. Yes, he's the son of God, but I'm not going to walk away from him and say, yeah, that's interesting. No, I'm going to fall down before him as the next. I'm going to bow my knee before him and say, oh God, not only was you dead, but you were alive forevermore. And you were worthy of my praise. You were worthy of my allegiance. You're worthy of me saying no to the world and yes to righteousness. You are worthy of me saying no to wickedness and yes to godliness. You're worthy of me turning from sin and turning to the right things of God. Lord, you are worthy. You're a son of God. And I'm going to bow down before you and worship. Oh, may May he lift the darkness from the hearts of men and women. May he lift the darkness from your minds this morning. And shine his glorious, wonderful, powerful light in Jesus' name. Father, I don't really know why the darkness around I only suggested thoughts from your word. But Lord, I pray, oh God, that the countenance of your face will shine upon us today. For you are still the light of the world. And when you come into our hearts and lives, and may you shine so wonderfully, so beautifully, that throughout this week, we will walk not in darkness, but we will walk in light. We will have a knowledge of you throughout this week, and our hearts will return to you again and again and again, being turned to you, oh God.
But Lord, there's nothing this world has to offer. There's nothing this world has to, to give to us that's of any real eternal value. But oh God, almighty God, you. You have offered us not just life, but life more abundantly. Pour your spirit upon this church. Pour your spirit, oh God, upon the gospel of Jesus Christ afresh. That many, many, many will come to a wonderful, glorious knowledge of you. And may those of us who know you, may we love you more. Oh, may our love for you again be stirred afresh. Oh, 